Eagles Entertainment. Whether you order it provolone without or whiz wit, cheesesteaks are better with Pepsi. Pepsi, the official soft drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. I love soul food. I love Mexican food. I love them all. I can't pick one. I'm a mild to medium guy. I have sriracha. I have backup srirachas for my sriracha. I find them saying it's too spicy, but they never stop eating it. There you go. Welcome back to Feeding the Birds, presented by Pepsi. I'm the co-host, Blake Wexler, and let me introduce you to a man with more heat than a ghost pepper, your host, Derek Gunn. I've been compared to worse. Yep, anyway, it's Derek Gunn with a spicy Southern episode of Feeding the Birds. I love her extra heat in some of my foods. If it makes you sweat, all the better. But I know a lot of people who just can't handle the fiery flavors of some foods. It can be so controversial that both Ross Tucker and Conley Wolf are going Scoville to Scoville to see if spice has a limit. Now, today, my guest is Brian Mitchell, and he is truly a Renaissance man. He was born in Louisiana and came from a food-loving family. And even though he hasn't lived in Louisiana for years, Brian goes out of his way to incorporate those flavors into the food he cooks at his home in Washington, D.C. Brian played in the league for 13 seasons, covering three of the four NFC East teams, beginning with Washington. Then he came to Philly. Remember this moment from the 2000 season? The Eagles 24, Atlanta 10, about to kick off. He does so. It's high and not overly deep. It is taken by Mitchell at the 12, out across the 15, the 20, the 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 midfield, 45, 40, 35, 30. Brian Mitchell to the 20 at the 10, <laughs> coast to coast. Go flag, an 89 yard kickoff return by Brian Mitchell. And you can put the cap on this one. The Falcons are not coming back. He finally rounded out his career as a giant. He was a running back, a return specialist, and even had to sub a quarterback in the infamous body bag game when he played for Washington. These days, Brian is a TV and radio host and analyst. He's a recently published author as well. A Champion's Heart is a book aimed to inspire kids to follow their dreams. And when it comes to food... He is not afraid to level up on the spice. Hey, Brian Mitchell, I'm going to take you back a ways because I understand that when you played for Washington is when you really were into cooking, Creole, Cajun style. Now, were you like the team unofficial chef or what? Well, to be honest with you, I take it all the way back to when I got in college. You know, uh, I, my mom and dad both cooked a lot. My dad was a, a, a chef by trade. And my mom, I think she cooked as good as he did. So when I got to college, I would like dib and dab into a few things. And then my dad passed away in 1991 when I got into the league. And, you know, I just found myself always, you know, floating over towards cooking and trying different things. And for me, it was like that keeping him close to me. You know, and when I do it, I don't like a lot of people to help me. I want to do it myself because I, I know how it's supposed to taste, what it's supposed to be like. And, uh, you know, I would cook a lot, but the guys were here. When I got to Philly, you know, Deuce found out I could cook gumbo, but he didn't like beef or pork, so he would go buy turkey sausage, and I would cook gumbo all the time for him and stuff, but I still do it, you know, and uh, every Thanksgiving, I'm frying turkeys and different things like that as well. Now, 
I want you to clarify something for me because in all the times that I've been down in New Orleans, I love to sample different flavors and taste, and I've had a lot of Creole and Cajun. Creole, Cajun. What's the difference between the two? You know, to be simply what I think it is, this is my my perception because growing up there, when you hear Creole, you normally saw it was more of the African-Americans that were talking about it. When you heard, uh, heard Cajun, per, per se, it's more of the other side. And then I think, but as you get older, you realize they're talking about the same things, you know? And I think in Cajun, a lot of times, you got a lot of, red, like, tomato and red sauce and things of that nature. Sometimes in the, in, the, in the Creole, you know, people say spicy. For us in Louisiana, spicy means flavorful. For everybody else around the country, they think spicy means just hot. You can't eat it. But that's not what it's about. It's about putting all the different spices to make everything have like a, we call it a party. You know, a party, gumbo is basically a big party in the pot. And when the food gets in your mouth, we want to make sure you have a party in your mouth. Now, you just mentioned that your dad was a chef and that your mom was as good a cook as your dad. So so who taught you how to cook? Well, you know what? The, the funny thing is no one necessarily taught me how to cook. I was the youngest of seven kids. So I was normally home when my mom was cooking. I'm, I'm paying attention. And then when my dad was outside doing different things, because he was the person who could do everything, but when my mom was taking care of inside, he would be doing stuff outside. So, you know, we had uh, all types of grills outside. He was a, a chef at this restaurant, and they changed the oven and, and all that. So he took it, brought it home, cut the bottom out the top one, and then made this, this uh, brick thing, like a, more like a fireplace, and put all the wood and stuff down there. And then you keep all of that heat inside that uh, stainless steel uh, oven. So he made it into like an outdoor oven. <laughs> and he handled that. So I just watched him over the years. And I don't think I ever really went by a recipe or anything like that. I just went by what I thought I saw them doing. And then he told me one thing that I think it stuck with me. He said, you know how it's supposed to taste. So don't try to please everybody. Please your taste buds and they'll adjust. Mm-hmm. Some people may want some more water. Somebody might want some more bread. Somebody might love it. But he told me to always try to do it the way I know it's supposed to be done. When you're one of seven kids, though, you can't afford to be picky, can you? You have to eat what's in front of you. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the thing about it, like my mom and dad, they cooked as if they were feeding a football team all the time because my mom's words was, you know, people stop by, they may need something to eat. I'm going to make sure they have something to eat. So he was a chef in the Army and at different restaurants. So he brought those big pots home. And that's the way she cooked all the time. I'm like, Mom, who are you cooking for? And people would stop by, and they would say, oh, I smell something. And she'll end up feeding them. So I had that house that everybody just kind of uh, stayed at and always hung around. Now, see, when I learned how to cook certain things, as well as a lot of people, you wanted to learn from somebody whose food you really enjoyed. So I found it interesting that you said that nobody really taught you. You you learned on your own and you had your own feel. Why didn't you want somebody to teach you some of the finer things about Creole and Cajun cooking? I love food. I love good food. And I never had a bad meal growing up with my mom and my dad. So I was like, okay, when she did this, she did that. So I just started trying to figure out the things that they were doing. And then even with the frying the turkeys and things like that, I got to a point where I didn't like the same flavor all the time. So I started adjusting it. I noticed that they had a jalapeno butter. I went to the store myself, bought a jar of jalapenos, put it into my blender, mixed my own stuff up, and shot it into the turkey. And then I said, okay, well, the fried turkey is great. But I like smoked turkey too. So I mm-hmm. fried half the way, take it out, put it in the smoker. I call it a frog turkey. People love it. So, <laughs> I'm always trying to do some different things. And I think it's more about, you know, if you talk to most chefs, a lot of them, 
they go to school, they get this mm-hmm. education and things of that nature. But most of them go based off a of feel and what they think. It's not always about two teaspoons here to one teaspoon there. It's about what you feel and what you think. And the recipe may change from day to day. I was going to ask you that. So you're the kind of guy, it may vary from meal to meal. It's never the same ingredients. Exactly. You're like, uh, one time I might decide to use Tony Sassarioni. The next time I may want to use some Tony and some Slap Your Mama mixed together to make a little different flavor for it. I may want to pull up this new thing they got called the Red Can. And it's a new seasoning out of Louisiana, but I also use McCormick. Sometimes I put all of them in together, but you know, you just have to put a little less of each just to make sure the taste come out. Because people are like, man, they're trying to taste to see what's in your stuff. I want to make it a little confusing for you. <laughs> do you find that when you cook for people, do some people honestly say, ooh, that's a little too spicy? Now, see, I'm the kind of person, I love spice, I love flavor, and I love heat. You know, all mixed in one in a lot of cases. Do you find that sometimes people find your cooking just a little too spicy for them? I find them saying it's too spicy, but they never stop eating it. There you go. So, like I said before, they will go get some water, they'll get some bread, something to kind of bring it down a little bit, but they're going to keep eating it. Now, you live in the D.C. area, so can you find all of the ingredients that you want for Cajun and Creole cooking in that area, or do you have to call home sometimes to tell somebody to send you a care package? Well, a lot of different places now like have spices from around the world, so they can get most of the stuff here. But a lot of times we get stuff when we go home or someone is coming up, we have them bring a care package. My wife, uh, our uncle, uh, actually, he goes down there a lot, and he'll send stuff to my mother-in-law, send stuff to us as well. So we got to make sure we have the proper stuff in the house. What do you get out of cooking? I mean, what, what's, what satisfies you most about cooking? To be honest with you, uh, Lee, I, I think... When I was like playing football, I always noticed that certain things bring people together Mm. and certain things are kind of conversation starters. So working at NBC and and things of that nature, working with the radio station around the holidays and different days, I'll just decide to bring in food. And then I would see people that I hadn't seen in the building like in eight months. And also it brings people together. And now you, you meet somebody else, you get a chance to talk to them. And I think it is for me, it's kind of like a team building thing. You know, whenever uh, you were eating at home, the whole family normally came together. They talked about what happened throughout the day, throughout the week. And I think I try to do the same things, but I'm kind of sentimental about this thing. Right. And I get emotional. But it's like, it's my time. My dad passed away after my first year. Mm-hmm. And I thought I knew everything. I had enough time. But as I get older, I find out I didn't have all that time. You know, and uh, my mom passed away 2007. So when I'm cooking certain things, mm. it's like I can hear them telling me, no, 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 a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. So I do it because it, it, it kind of takes me back to my childhood a little bit. Do you share your ingredients, your recipes? Um, you know, anybody who enjoys a good meal, especially at somebody else's table, is always trying to find out what are they putting in their food. I walk a fine line. When I cook, there are some things I will share but there's some things you just don't share that you get from, from an uncle or an aunt or a dad or a mom. You just don't share. That's your own little recipe. I always say one, two ingredients. And so you won't ever have 100% of what I told you mm-hmm. of my recipe. But what I give you is going to always be good. <laughs> Do you still cook on a daily basis? I mean, you, you're doing radio, you're doing TV, you're doing all these different things. Do you still have time to cook as much as you like? 
I don't do it on a daily basis, but it, I, I normally do things where we're going to have a lot of people around. And uh, my wife is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, so she does a lot of the cooking herself. And since we are basically empty nesters, I, we're two, we have two kids left in college right now, mm-hmm. two daughters, another daughter. I, my son has, has been out of college for, in long, for a long time. So mm-hmm. we now get weekly meal kits that sends us food for like just two people. Yes. They send us stuff and she'll cook it. So we do that just because we don't know how to cook for two people. <laughs> so You sound like my household. There's no such thing as cooking for two people. We basically get that because they give you the proper portions for two people. If she was to cook something or I was to cook something, it'd yeah. be enough for like seven, eight, ten people, and then we'll have leftovers and have to throw it away, and I don't like them. <laughs> so, so now that you're getting food from, from elsewhere, you still have to spice it up a little bit. Do you still So you still add your own ingredients, your own special Louisiana touch to it? Oh, it's like a lot of their stuff is real good, and they have real flavor, good flavor to it, but... We know we like a little more cayenne pepper. We like to add a little bit more of the Louisiana spice to it to make sure we have our flair. You know, people always ask me, like, like where, where do you find authentic places with Louisiana food in uh, D.C.? I say, at my house. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I go to a lot of places, and they're like, uh, oh, yeah, this is Louisiana gumbo. It's real spicy. And I eat them like, dude, y'all got some hot sauce here? Or some cayenne pepper because this is not spicy at all, you know. And then my wife always said, "Yeah, we're from Louisiana. Go, oh, it's not going to be spicy to y'all." You know, one thing I find most fascinating about both Creole and Cajun cooking is the history of it, the origin of it, and it's a mixture of Italian, German. It, it's so many different cultures that have come in that have moved to that region that have blended all of these different things together and come up with the term Creole. A lot of French. A lot of French. Yeah. And, and the thing about it, my, my pops was in the military, as I stated before, and when I was growing up, he was like, we're going to eat Vietnamese today. We're going to eat German today. So he had traveled all these different places and would do different things. And he still, even when he did those those meals, he added some Louisiana spice to ah, it. Ah, there you go. Sure, you got the good flavor of it. But as I grew up, I used to, like, just give me meat, give me potatoes, give me some seafood. Now I'll start venturing and trying some different things because, mm. you know, my palate was like that when I was a young kid. And then you get a little stubborn as you get older. But I want to now venture back out because I, I, pay, I go to a lot of restaurants. We do like a date night every Friday. Uh, my wife and my friend and some friends of ours, mm. we go to these different restaurants, try to go to somewhere different all the time. And it's too much good food to just stick to one type of thing. Hey everybody, it's Blake again, dropping in here with Feeding the Facts, where I give you a little extra info to chew on during the episode. Today's installment, what to do if you eat something really spicy. So background information, the Scoville scale measures the spiciness of chili peppers, with medium peppers like poblanos topping out at 8,000 Scoville heat units. Spicier habaneros, they're coming in at about 150,000. To neutralize a spice, it's best to consume something acidic, wine, a Bloody Mary, or even milk. So based off that list, if you're going to eat something really spicy, do it while you're partying with your aunt. This has been Feeding the Facts. I'm Blake Wexler. Back to Derek Gunn. You know, I'm surprised that you haven't published a cookbook. Did you ever think about doing a cookbook? I have. I have. I put a couple of little things out before, like sparingly. You know, I did, I think, a Sports Illustrated for Kids. I put a thing out before. And I still have the idea to do it, but uh, it's got a hard to sit down and get it done. 
Hey, speaking of books, you have become a published author. Uh, you recently published a book uh, called A Champion's Heart, I believe it is. What inspired you to do a book? Well, as I would talk to a friend of mine and uh, one of my buddy's sister who went to college with me, and I would talk, always give these tidbits. You know, I'm always looking for someone to help me to, to motivate me in a different way. And I'm trying to do the same thing to people. And she just said, you should put those things in a book. So we basically just took some of my accomplishments and the way to get to it and different things my dad told me along the way, different things coaches and teachers told me along the way to just kind of give people an idea. And now that I've done that, I have an idea to sit down and think about a lot of kids don't believe in themselves. Mm. You know, they're waiting for somebody to tell them what they can become. Talk about self-belief and hard work and dedication and, and passion, all those things that can help somebody go from point A to point B. I feel it, it, we should catch kids a little earlier. A lot of times we wait too late. You know, we try to talk to kids at 18, 19, a little too late then. How about start doing it right around when they are nine, 10 years old, when they really are starting to, you know, try to hit that little point where they start forming their own ideas and opinions about stuff. And I want to try to be somebody that can just be a conduit to help them get from that point to that next level. Now, your book is catered to kids. At this stage of your life, though, did you find it difficult writing a book on a kid's level? Was that difficult for you? You know what? It wasn't because my uncle read it and then his daughter, who's a, a principal, she said, you know what? This is good for kids and, and it's relatable, but this could work for anybody. You know, and I think that's the whole thing about it. Uh, we, we, we start separating what we think can teach somebody something. We all can learn how to rededicate ourselves. We all can learn how to believe in ourselves. Yeah, I talk to more, more people that are adults that, man, I don't know if I can do that. I'm like, well, that's the reason, because you don't think you can. Mm. You just start thinking you can. All of a sudden, you start doing the right things to get there. You know, I, when I was a young kid and my coach moved me to quarterback in the eighth grade, I didn't say I think I could. And I'm like, all right, I can do it. Yeah. When I got to the NFL and they made me play a, a punt return instead of a kick return and things, instead of being a quarterback or a running back, did I ever say no? No, I believed I could get, get it done. And by believing, it made me work even more at it, made me go out there and try to find out the, the proper uh, fundamentals to get it done. So all of a sudden, instead of being afraid walking into it, I was confident. And that's, that's half the battle. If you're confident in doing anything, maybe your first time, you still can be successful. There's so many motivational books out there. What's your hook? What's different about Brian Mitchell's book of motivation for kids? I think for me, it's like, I'm not trying to tap to, tiptoe. I'm straightforward with everything I do. And I think a lot of times when I've learned, we can't be as kids. They see through it. So my whole thing is just trying to get your attention and make sure you understand. And what I'm doing, I'm telling them, look, I, I was where you were. A lot of times we talk to kids in a position where we're here and they're looking at us, but we never tell them one day, I, one day I was just like you. Mm -hmm. And I try my best to let them know this is where I started. So it started from like when I was young, you know, and they got like the illustrations of what best for kids. And I think the lady who did the illustration was perfect. So they see as I grow, when I got to college and how things happen. And you remember Coach Cully, and I talked about the time when Coach Cully basically told me there can't be a leader whenever you just when you want to be. You got to be a leader 24-7. Mm. You know, that that stuck with me to where like a lot of kids today, I know that they do what they're supposed to do when they're in front of their parents. Mm -hmm. But then when they go to school, they're knuckleheads. You know, but the parent go back, well, not my kid. Well, you know your kid. You know your kid's a knucklehead. <laughs> so we have learned a lot of times how to fake it. 
But my thing is, no, you got to do it all the time. If you if you do it all the time, it's not tough. It's like we talk about a diet. If you make a diet a lifestyle change, it's successful. If you do it just to get into a dress and go to the beach, and then you stop doing it, you go right back to being who you were. <laughs> I love that analogy. Brian Mitchell, connoisseur of outstanding food and now published author. Thank you for your time, my brother, and much success to you in the book. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, bro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Feeding the Birds food debate. I'm Blake Wexler, and I'm joined by two of the biggest foodies we have in the NFL in Ross Tucker and Colleen Wolf. Now, this week, we will be talking about spice. This is the Cajun episode. And uh, more specifically, how much spice is too much spice? Let's start now with Ross on this one. Ross, if you had to pick, what is the level of spice? We don't have to get into Scoville scale. Yeah. Please. What are the options here? Like mild, medium, hot? Let's do that for the scale because there's there's a thing called the Scoville scale, which uh, there's a lot of numbers associated with it that I do not understand. <laughs> so I'm a pretty big medium guy. Yes. Um, oh. My, my belief is if you go hot or like super hot, that spice overpowers whatever you're eating. It's like it's almost too much if you go hot or very hot. So I'm a medium guy. Mild isn't quite enough. Like, But I would say this. On the spectrum, I would rather lean towards mild than hot. So I'm a, I'm a dead nut medium person. It's the same way I feel about wings. I don't want mild because sometimes there's like hardly any sauce on there. If you go hot... You don't know how hot it's going to be. And when you eat it, your mouth starts to burn. Like you don't want, you don't need that. Medium is the perfect sauce, this perfect spice, the perfect everything. The answer is medium. <laughs> medium is a good answer. Anything higher, you got to have a glass of milk next to you. And that's not a cool look in general. But <laughs> Colleen, for a grown person, Colleen, how about you? Are you, uh, are you on that same side, mild to medium, or are you going to go uh, a little riskier with this? Absolutely not. I am risking it all. I'm here to outspice Ross in, on every level. I am a spice girl. I'm proud wow. to be a spice girl. I put spice on everything. How much spice is too much spice? I don't even know what the answer is. It doesn't exist because it can be as spicy as possible. I'm putting spice on everything I can. I have sriracha. I have backup sriracha's for my sriracha that's in the refrigerator because I can't run out of sriracha. Sriracha's going on everything. It's going on eggs. It's going on salads. It's going on burgers. Now, once we go into other hot sauces, eh, I don't know, not as big of a fan. But if we're talking about like Hot pepper flakes, absolutely need those uh, on top of every single pizza slice. Whenever I'm at a restaurant, I'm like, oh, you know what? Can I get some hot pepper flakes? My dad's the same way. I love spicy <laughs> foods. I want to be crying. I want to start sweating. I want to not feel anything. Thank you. She just made my <laughs> point at the end. You heard it right mm -hmm. from her mouth, everybody, okay? Yeah. You don't want to be crying. You're trying to enjoy your meal. That's you part of the enjoyment. Wedding. Maybe it's you're a on a starting experience for your wife. Yeah. You just want to enjoy your food, the delicious piece of meat or whatever it is you're eating with a nice, healthy amount of spice. I reiterate the answer is medium. Colleen has gone off the reservation on this one. All right. So, so Ross is going medium to mild. Boo. I will go <laughs> medium to hot. That's the correct answer. 
listen, all right, I'm going to make a decision right now. I do have to pick a winner. I am in my own personal life on the side of Ross. I'm a mild to medium guy. However, the way Colleen just uh, made her argument, I'm going with Sporty Spice herself, Colleen Wolf. So congratulations, Colleen got the win on that one. However, if you're on Ross's side, weigh in on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and leave your uh, opinions in the comments there. As always, Ross, thank you so much. Enjoy your mild to medium foods. And Colleen, enjoy uh, your spice, your insane spice, sweating through your clothes while you eat. That's been our time for the Great Food Debate for Feeding the Birds. We will see you next time. That'll do it for us at Feeding the Birds today. My thanks to Brian Mitchell for our great chat and a spicy and sweet thank you to both Colleen Wolf and Ross Tucker for stopping by again this week. This has been Feeding the Birds presented by Pepsi, hosted by a guy whose style is anything but mild, Derek Gunn. I'm Blake Wexler. Thanks for listening. <laughs>